Blog Talk Radio. Show his uh, down in Brockton at night to go up his hall. It was bingo. Yeah, no, 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 it was Don's still doing this. 
He, uh, yeah, he did a really good job. <laughs> well, uh, you know, in all deference, when he was on. In all deference to uh, Donnie, uh, one of his great stories, is, and he's got a million of them, he's been tra- traveling the world on cruise ships. He's had a beautiful life. Uh, he's seen the world over and over and over and over again, and he's an avid reader. He reads about three books a week. And, um, and he is so funny. He, uh, I wish... What's that? I said he really is funny, too. He's a funny, funny, funny guy. Yeah, and I... Uh, I always wish. Make fun these, of him if he I, on. Right. I wish that these guys had journaled their travels because it could have oh. been, uh, you know, amazing. I mean, I don't know if you ever. One of the funniest works I've ever read in my life was uh, uh, Mark Twain's um, book on his his trip to uh, to Europe. Innocent Abroad, I think it was called. Yeah. That, I think, exactly. I was, I was, yeah. Yeah. Said, have you read it? Yeah, sure. I was a kid, sure, sure. Oh, my hey, God. Tony Dakota's not totally dumb. Yeah, well, I mean, when he... Uh, I read more than Oxford, in, you know. Yeah, I, I remember, I think I was listening to it on an audio cassette. I mean, that's how fast things have changed. Nobody has an audio. Remember when they used to make fun of Super of 8-Tracks? Oh, sure. God, I had one in my car. I thought it was so cool. I loved it. Yeah, but, I mean, I know. And then everybody started making fun because eight tracks lasted, what, three months maybe? Uh, oh, no, they were around for quite a while, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then, but yeah, but then uh, right. But, the, but now you can't even find an audio cassette. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't. You know, just, um, uh, Right, I'm trying. What about people like poor Fabulous Frank who invested all his money in data? I <laughs> <laughs> mention before you go on that uh, Frank's doing well. He's uh, he's in Sweden now. He's about to have the uh, big chop, uh, as we discussed before, and uh, uh, we wish him well. He's going to be the, back with us soon. Is it the chop or the? Is it the chop or the snip? What do we call it? No, in this case, it's going to be a chop. A snip would be oh, like I a brisk. Know. Or, you know, like a, you know, this, is not, this is not a brisk, or you might call it a really big brisk for people who don't know what a brisk yeah, is. I would it's call a, it a, it's a circumcision it ceremony. This. this is going a lot farther <laughs> than circumcision. Oh, uh, there's, a, there's a great humorist. I'm trying to remember his name. And his big thing was there's as much fun as teenage circumcision. Um, oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's always wanted to be a woman, so he's going to take the uh, the big and have the big seat. Well, uh, yeah, uh, we, we hope well. that he re- be back. Oh, we miss yeah. him. We want to see the new Frank. Yeah. And, yeah. And, well, and we'll exactly. be Frank, but uh, that's you know. That's well, I have a Don Gavin. Since even though Don's not here, I'd like to tell a Don yeah. Gavin story that he related I'd to me. I'd love to hear it. Sure. Uh, he uh, he he. Opened for um, you know a, a multitude of uh, famous headliners, and not just in comedy, but also in uh, in uh, music. Uh, yeah. He said, that, you know, he said one of the sweetest guys that he ever met, most down on earth, was uh, <laughs> just uh, uh, drew a blank. The Spanish guitarist uh, Feliz Navidad. Uh, 
you know who I mean. Um, anyway. Oh, Trini Lopez? I, no, no, no. The, uh, uh, the the blind guy. No, not yeah, Trini wasn't blind, was he? No, 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 no. No. Blind. Blind. No. Uh, Jose Feliciano. Oh, Jose, Jose Feliciano. Feliciano. He opened for Jose Feliciano. Yeah, but he said one of the sweetest guys you could imagine in show business. And he says one of the worst was Engelbert Humperdinck. Humperdinck. Yeah, so he's opening for Engelbert. He's traveling with them. So he was on the road for a couple of weeks with them. And he's in the green room. Don is in his own green room. And the door opens up. And now you've got a. This is a. a, a I do Donnie pretty well. In fact, uh, Stephen Wright himself told me I did a Donnie very well. And uh, yeah, so oh, extreme. So <laughs> Engelbert opens abruptly and rudely opens Don Gavin's dressing room green room door and says to him, "I want twenty." No more, no less. And Don Gavin, who grew up in Boston, and was, as we know, Boston Bostonians by ver, by nature are a caustic yeah. group. You know, we are not as uh, as the world learned last year. At, and it was only a year. Can you believe this? It's coming up to just a year that that yeah. whole bombing thing. Yeah. I mean, how much has happened in a year? Wow. But anyway, yeah. uh, Donnie Donnie retorted quickly. And you would be. <laughs> and that, that is a Don Gavin um, impression. You would be. And he said, excuse me, Engelbert says. And you would be. He said, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> and he says, well, as you can see, I'm busy. And he says, uh, you realize you open the door without knocking. And so if you want to talk to me, I would recommend <laughs> you close the effing door and you politely knock if you wish to speak with me. <laughs> so, 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 plenty on working with him much more. So, <laughs> Engelbert shuts the door. Let's see if I can find a place. And the next thing Donnie hears is, <laughs> but Donnie decides. He says, yeah, yeah, I decided not to answer. <laughs> God. He yeah. says, and about a minute goes by, and I hear, <laughs> and I step on it. <laughs> He says, one more time, and who is it? <laughs> and he says, at this point, Engelbert is laughing. Isn't he laughing? And he says, so Engelbert says, <laughs> on the other side of the door, Engelbert says, it's, it's Engelbert opening <laughs>
I was wondering if you could please do 20 minutes tonight. Say what? This is, I, was, I was wondering if you could do, please do 20 minutes tonight. Uh, sure, glad to help you. Ah, <laughs> uh, funny, funny man. Your sense of humor. Oh, he's he's so brilliantly quick. I uh, there's many a night when I have uh, we've worked together. I'll never forget one night in on um, uh, Martha's Vineyard. We did a club called the Atlantic Crossing, I think it was, and we sat up uh, all evening. And he told story after story, and he just rambles on. He's it, it's it, it's he's one of these people that you wonder how possibly can they be. Channel, they must be channeled, channeling the divine comic because yeah. the stuff flows effortlessly. The, in fact, that, I, another story I'd like to tell is he and uh, Stephen Wright. We were uh, when Stephen Wright made his. I was I had heard about the comedy scene. I was a you know an amateur magician. No, I was a semi-professional magician at the time. And I was doing okay in the, the uh, as you mentioned, the Knights of Columbus uh, Mason Hall circuit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I heard about this very well, extremely well. Yes. And then I heard about this comedy explosion in Boston. And, of course, it, it, it was amazing, the 70s, the, the explosion of comedy, and really launched by Saturday Night Live yeah. and the likes of, you know, I mean, it, it has never been the same. I mean, there's been some great stars that have come out of it since, but never the likes of. Remember the. the why don't you give us uh, your memories of the first seasons of Saturday Night Live? Some of the stars. Oh, the, you know, in the early days, oh, he had Bellucci. Jeez, uh, it, it killed me when he died. This guy was so insane. Yep. It was early days of Saturday yep. Night Live. I think uh, it was. Uh, it, uh, uh, it was the early 70s cast. Chevy Chase was actually uh, a lot funnier doing that than anything else he ever did. Uh, uh, Bill Murray. Jeez, uh, who some of the other guys? Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Oh, of course, Dan Aykroyd, who writes, who writes so well, as well as being a, not a bad actor and uh, still funny as hell. Uh, all the names, those guys all went on to be the best things. Of course, and, uh, and don't uh, forget the women. Go ahead. Yeah, don't forget uh, Steve, Steve Martin, who was yeah, Dan Aykroyd's partner. Yeah, he was a guest, but he wasn't even like one of the regulars. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of some of the, uh, the, the women. That, uh, yeah, remember uh, remember the, uh, the, team, the team that he created with Aykroyd? Oh, yeah, two wild and crazy guys. Yeah, we are exactly. We are wild and crazy guys. The you know, and that was the genius. Or something. Right, that was the genius of Ackroyd, is that he, Ackroyd, he, he, uh, he knew how to part And look at in the other comedy team that Ackroyd was part of. Oh, the Blues Brothers. Unbelievable what Absolutely. those guys created. My favorite. You know, and so, and then the let's talk about. From, uh, the house band from Saturday Night Live uh, became the orchestra, of course. Uh, yeah, and how about, right, and how about, um, Speaking of Steve Martin, I, I mean, can you forget some of the uh, some of the scenes he used to do with a, a female on the show? Remember that? Oh, sure. He did. Uh, 
He did one number, Dancing in the Dark. I don't know if you remember there that. There you go. Too. That's the one I've been looking for. He yeah. and who? Oh, cool. You remember who? Gilda Radner. Remember who? Yeah. Gilda I mean, Radner. Exactly. How can you, yeah. for, how can you possibly, yeah. if you saw that scene, how could you possibly forget that, that dance scene? Jeez, and, and it was, of course, all, uh, uh, just, I don't think that was rehearsed at all. Yeah, just yeah, started out there in was... a bar, and they see each other across the bar, and all of a sudden the music stops, <laughs> and comes dancing in the dark, and everyone else disappears, and the two of them get into this dance with all over the place. What humor. What a good skit that was. Yeah, they you know, just no lines. Up. You don't need. Yeah, you, know, you don't need to tell jokes to be funny. Uh, although it would help sometimes, but uh, that was such a that was such a good show, and he did so well with uh, Gilda Radner. Poor thing died so early, way ahead of time. Uh, yeah, was, uh, and she was Gene Hackman's uh, flame. There, yeah, they, they had a thing going. Gene Hackman, can you imagine that insanity yeah. in that house with the two of them? I mean, Gene Wilder's but, I mean, that was, yeah. Right, but that was the that was the amazing explosion uh, in those days of comedy. I mean, it came out of nowhere. I mean, there was a, such a dearth of yeah. comedy. We went through the the sixties. I mean, there was. Wh- what's your recollection of famous comedians from the sixties? Uh, you were Tony you were Dakota. you were alive. Right? You were born, right? <laughs> I was playing what in the sixties. We, 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 we all were alive, but the sixties. I was playing in Nevada in the sixties. Yeah, I was really young, but I was still of, playing. But uh, but a lot know, of people what, were what Saturday Night Live did not to. Saturday yeah, a lot of people were. A lot of people were experimenting with chemicals in the '60s, so a lot of people have, don't yeah. even remember anything about the '60s. <laughs> but you know, seriously, think of the whole decade of the '60s, and tell me, tell me what you remember in terms of comedic stars. Well, there there you, was, go. Uh, you know, there was Cheech and Chong who came out of that era. You're talking yep. about the uh, you know, everyone was playing with uh, all kinds of chemicals, as you say. There was a yeah. Uh, it was a big troupe. Um, what the hell was their name? They did albums like uh, 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 "Don't Step on That Dwarf." Hand me the pliers. Oh, 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 oh! You mean Monty Python? No, no, it was Monty Python. Two course, and they were—they were incredible, absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, coming. I don't even know and, the group you. I don't even know the group you're talking about. I can remember Capital yeah, Steps. I'll, I'll think of it in a memory. My brain isn't what it used to be because, you know, brain cells. Okay, all but, those so, okay. Of, uh, so we have Cheech and Chong, and we have this other group that we can't even think of. And who who else from the 60s? Okay, there you go. Right, so <laughs> the only two I can think of was uh, George Carlin. And oh, of course, George Carlin. And Bill Cosby, but that was it, right? Yeah. I mean, we had nothing. Bill Cosby, yeah, but then, everyone but Bill Cosby was doing new stuff. Bill Cosby was just being, you know, he was a funny guy, and he was great, and he was contemporary. But the other guys were doing stuff that had never been done before. They were pushing. Well, that's what I'm uh, saying. All of a sudden, they I mean, think of, the, think of what happened in terms of, you know, I, I call it the, there were times in history when it's inexplicable why a collection of artists comes along and explodes on the scene, and they all do it in the same place at the same time. And I'll talk yeah. about. I mean, you have the, the, you know, you have this, uh, these dark ages, and all of a sudden, somewhere in Florence, 
you have a bunch of guys get together and pick up some brushes <laughs> and some uh, hammer and chisels, and you get the Renaissance. I mean, think of that. I mean, Angie, I was sitting around with his brushes telling jokes. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm, seriously, imagine, imagine yeah, well, the collection. True. Yeah. Okay, and then and then fast forward to right, fast forward to the impressionists. Yeah. You know, I mean, how do those guys all? Get together. You see an esoteric discussion today, huh? I'm really impressed. Go right ahead. Well, little, and then move ahead. No, because it's all leading to what we're talking about, comedy. And then move ahead to, well, even if you look at the uh, the the revolution itself here in Boston, the, the, the minds and the leaders and the, you know, the revolutionaries that came out of that time. Yeah. You know, you had John it Adams. Yeah, on Hancock, John Adams, you know, uh, George Washington, Ben Franklin, all coming out of Boston and exploding at the time. And then, you know, look at the jazz age. Look at Basie and uh, Duke Ellington and and the, the big band explode. Tommy yeah, Dorsey and all those guys. Glenn, yeah, Glenn Miller and all of that happening in the 30s, 20s and 30s. And then, you know, oh, and then never mind what happened in um, Memphis. What happened in Memphis? Exactly. Now imagine what happened in Memphis in nineteen fifty. Oh yeah, we got uh, we got the king yeah, coming all, out all in one Remember, all in one place. Well, records. Okay, ball. now yeah. in in the nineteen seventies in America there had been this dearth of comedy for for decades. And bam an explosion like you couldn't believe, right? Smilers Brothers. Forgot to mention the Smilers Brothers. Yeah, that's true. They were, and they were more the 60s, right. But, yeah. you know, the 60s were, was a dark, I mean, there was some great creativity with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the music. But it was a dark decade. I mean, what, everybody was concerned about Vietnam and, you know, it just was, and all the assassinations. So it was a dark time. And then the 70s turned the corner and bang. Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, Belushi, yeah. you know, Bill Murray, you know, uh, Chevy Chase, and then the explosion. Yeah, yeah then, then that just seemed to ignite all of a sudden. And, and there was no such thing as a comedy club. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, bam, the explosion, the evening at the improv. And, you know, it was, it was comedians just blossomed out of every. And here in Boston was... You know, they were, Boston became the, the the city, the city. There were four four um, centers of comedy. Boston being right there with San Francisco, Boston, L.A., and New York. That was it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and anybody who was anybody, anybody who was on the leading edge came from one of those four towns. And Boston, at the time, was just dominating the rest of the country. You know, with the Paula Palmstones, the Stephen Wrights. Yeah. And uh, Dennis Leary's, and I mean, just making slamming, you know, what was and happening. The started to pop up. I mean, we always had some comedy. You know, a Chinese restaurant had one night a week comedy, or, or some other place had once a week comedy. And but all of a sudden, comedy clubs started popping up in Boston like crazy. Yep. Some really famous I mean, ones. Just, had, and it was it was an amazing age. And Don Gavin, I'll never forget seeing him. Don Gavin. And um, and Steve Sweeney and Lenny Clark one night, one right after the other, in a little club called uh, the Comedy Connection, and it was yeah. comedy was so hot. Not only did the Comedy Connection 
have three shows a night, but the and all with lines. And then down the street was Nick's Comedy Stop opened up, and everybody thought that would be the competition. That only drew more. The competition drew more people. And so you had, on some on certain evenings, I would do six shows in one night. I would yeah. simply walk down the street to Nick's, do a show there, walk up the street to the Comedy Connection. They, they, yeah. People couldn't get enough of it. And so... Yeah. One night, I was listening to, to Donnie and, and, and Rapid Fire, amazing, genius comedy, and Lenny and Sweeney the same way, and on comes, and they, they had such energy that poor Stephen Wright stepped onto the stage, and Stephen, <laughs> nobody listened. It was like, you know, you went from, you know, you went from the Rolling Stones to Joan Baez. <laughs> And nobody cared. And, and yet, yet I could barely hear his jokes. And I said to myself, "Those other guys were great, but this is this is genius. This is yeah. the genius. This yeah. is the next Woody Allen." Yeah. And one night, Don Gavin and I were talking about that. In fact, it was <clears throat> I got to retell the story years later when uh, Fran Salamita, as another comedian, was around the time has done great film work. He um, created a, a documentary on the whole Boston comedy scene called When Stand Up Stood Out. And he took all oh, of this great even, footage. Oh, yeah, I never, I never saw that, yeah. Yeah, it's he took all this great I've footage. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, legit, yeah. a legit DVD that you can probably buy on Amazon or something or download somewhere. And it, yeah, it, it, chronicles, it chronicles that whole amazing time. And, uh, yeah, and so they had a public, at the Coolidge Corner, they had a, um, a premiere of the show. And I went, and of course, the place was full of comedians. And afterward, they had a um, reception of an after-screening party at um, a club downtown. Um, I think it was called The Rack at the time, which was owned by Paul Barclay, who was one of the pioneers. He, he and um, um, Bill, uh, Bill um, Downs created the Comedy Connection and yeah. had an agency. At, at, uh, I mean, it was just insanity at the time. I, I would get calls every single night of the week begging me to travel somewhere in New England to do a show. And uh, yeah. all of a sudden, um, <laughs> Stephen Wright, we ended up at the reception, and, um, and I, I was standing beside Stephen Wright, and uh, we talked. And he recognized me from years of, you know, being around him at the clubs and introducing him, et cetera. And uh, he was great. Whenever, he, Even after he made it, he'd come to town to work on a new set that he was going to do on The Tonight Show. I'll never forget one night he walked in, and I, I, so they said there was, somebody was yelling at me from the wings, uh, Stevens here. He wants to do some time, and I looked over, and there he was. So I introduced him, and he came on. Yeah. And his joke at the time was, um, I was "Standing by the side of the road, and uh, <laughs> a <hearse> pulled over. <laughs> yeah, and a hearse pulled over. I was thumbing, I was thumbing on the side of the road, and the hearse pulled over, and I said, "Sorry, I'm not going that far." <laughs> and the other one was, I was walking down the street the other day, and prescription on my glasses ran out <laughs> and, and he's groping around the stage and uh so 
I had been talking to Gavin one night, and we were talking about talking about specifically this the the uh, the, the the phenomenon of Stephen Rice, how that possibly could have happened, you know, the genius that he was, yeah. and yeah. so we uh, so we were talking, and I said, uh, you know, Donnie, no no offense. But I said, when you and Sweeney and Lenny would take the stage, I said, nobody could follow you guys, including, including Stephen Rice. And he said, yeah, it's And I said, well, even today, I said, even today in a nightclub, in a, in a comedy club, whatever, that still would be difficult for Stephen to follow you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. <clears throat> and I said, but isn't it interesting <clears throat> that you know? No offense to Don, but um, he became the star. <laughs> the star. He's he's the one selling out theaters and making twenty five thousand a night. Yeah. 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 <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was uh, I was talking to Stephen about this the other night. You know, and I said, you know, the same thing. I said, Stephen, you know, you let's let's face it, you have a big star and. You got great material, original material, incredibly bright material, and you got these albums, and you know, I mean, you know, I mean, let's face it, you know, I mean, uh, if we were ever in a club together, and you had to follow me, you know, let's be let's be honest, you, you wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> and, and he says, and then and then Stephen looked at me, and he said, ah. and I'm going to do my Stephen Wright impression. Yeah. That's true. That that's true, Donnie. But I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> it's true, Donnie. But I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> and, and I and I looked at Stephen and I went, I said, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so. Here I am telling the story. I'm going to put, I, I wish if, if there's something, there's a bullet point I could put on my CV. I told that story to Stephen, and Stephen said, uh, he just looked at me. And, you know, Stephen has this thing. I mean, he, he walks around looking like, you know, he, you want to hand him a, a, a dime for a cup oh, of yeah. coffee on the street. Oh, yeah, a cup of coffee, sure, yeah. It's unbelievable. So I mean, his man worth millions. And uh, so he he looks at me and he says, "It's real quiet." He's got a he's actually chuckling as, as much as Stephen could chuckle. Yeah. And he looked at me. Says, How can you tell when he's chuckling? Yeah. So he looks at me and he goes, "That's a really good Donnie." <laughs> Great moment, but. What a time! What an amazing thing! So, I mean, Firestein Theater—that's the group I was—I uh, I was uh, talking about. Oh, okay, yeah, but you know, nothing like, nothing like. The, I mean, then you know, then you had that all generated people like Sam Kennison and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and then the list went on. John Candy. The, the list went on and on and on after that. Yeah, uh, well, an amazing. Had, uh, you know, the uh, the improv places and. In Chicago and Canada, we had all those uh, comedians coming. Oh, Candy came from there, I think, too. Yeah, the <clears> second <throat> city. In fact, I got to. Yeah. That's where I think I've already told the story where 
one night my company hires out Second City, and I got on stage and, um, um, you know, and walked Shecky Green. And uh, I got to work in front of Shecky. And um, so, yeah, amazing, amazing history, amazing phenomenon. So I know he'll be back. It was a close call, but he just admitted he wasn't in the mood, and I can't blame him. Uh, You know, and uh, he said he went to dinner last night with the other and he paid $110 for a piece of uh, swordfish (laughs) (laughs) at even Louis. So what's on the agenda for uh, Mr. Dakota these days? Well, you know, I told you last week my story about my dog, which was kind of boring, but uh, the dog was a it cost me a grand for, you know, a couple of visits to the doctor. Anyway, finally oh, yeah. figure out what's wrong with him. I told you, it just ended up, he had a little allergy to the food he was eating. So the specialist, you know, charged me $1,000. for Jesus Christ, excuse me, but uh, a couple of days later now, he's better. A couple of days later, uh, we get a call from a, a neighbor and said, hey, I was just on this doctor's site and uh, your dogs, uh, you know, Permanently featured on the site. I said, no, it's not my dust. A lot of dogs look like my dogs. No, no, it's your dog. A couple minutes later, you get another call. I don't know why these people are getting on a website for this uh, uh, veterinarian, but it was same thing. You said, oh, your dog. I know your dog anywhere. I know Louis, you know. So uh, we get on the site, and lo and behold, there's my dog on their Facebook page and on their website. Big, big picture of my dog. Because he's, I don't know, they like the kind of cute something, whatever. I said, they didn't ask me to do that. So I said, let me, uh, let me put a little scare into these people. So I call up, I call up this vet, and I said, uh, this is, uh, this is attorney so and so, this is attorney, attorney Brown, and I represent, uh, I represented the Tony Dakota and his family, and uh, I said they were on uh, your website, and you. The picture of the dog is there. You violated a bunch of laws here. First of all, it, the dog is under contract with the William Morris Agency. They've been promoting him for years. He gets he gets anywhere from uh, three to four thousand dollars for a two-hour uh, 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 sitting for pictures and whatever. And, and of course, then there's residuals for uh, some of the commercials he makes and the fact that he's on some. Uh, dog food cans and that kind of stuff. And uh, I said, we got a problem here because the agencies, uh, you know, called the uh, Dakotas and Dakota called me as attorney. said, you know, how are we going to resolve this? Uh, it says, one thing, uh, you know, for uh, the Dakota family we might work out a deal with you, but, uh, you know, the William Morris Agency wants their 15%. <laughs> and you know, there's nothing I can do about that contract. So you know, how are we going to work this out? And the poor little girl I'm talking to, I hate it. Oh, 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 let me get the boss. Let me get the boss. And she gets on. And it, the boss of court is, is, is the vet I used, and uh, I go through this whole story again. And she says, "Well, uh, 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 do I need to call my attorney?" I said, no, I think you got to call your banker because you're going to be writing some checks here shortly, uh, you know. Is, is there anything else we can do? Because, you know, I, you know I, was, I didn't know. I did it innocently. I wasn't trying to make any money with it or anything. And I said, well, I said, tell you what. I said, uh, 
I think uh, representing the Dakotas that uh, I can call William Morris and maybe get this straightened out, tell him it's an accident. Sometimes people do this and they don't want to bother going after him because it just costs too much money to get their attorneys working on it and all that sort of stuff. So, so I'll take care of him. But just you know, as, as far as you know, my percentage, which you know we get most of the money, I get you know eighty-five percent. We're talking, you know, three, four thousand dollars here. Well, I mean, I don't know what we can do. I said, uh, how about this? I said, uh, we'll still use you because, in spite of this, uh, this uh, gross legal violation here, we think you're a pretty good vet. I mean, you know, and uh, how about if we work it out that uh, we'll remain your uh, your customers and uh, we even let you use the uh, dog's picture from time to time without permission. But I'd like, uh, I'd like, uh, like all of my visits to be, uh, uh, well, my regular visits to be free, and my special visits to be at uh, roughly fifty percent of your normal fee. And she thought for me, she said, "Oh yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I can, I can do that." I said, "Oh." Okay. Well, I said I'll, I'll, I'll speak to Tommy Dakota and his wife and uh, see what we can do. But uh, that might be uh, that might be equitable for all concerned. And I hope uh, in the future that you be careful with this because you know uh, it actually has cost everybody a lot of money here and a lot of aggravation and a lot of legal fees. So you know I'm going to have to charge the Dakotas just for this call and blah blah blah. And she was so grateful. She was oh. Oh, I can't tell you how grateful I am. You know, this was all a terrible mistake, and you know, we're very well. It, you know, and it just shows you that there hey. is life after life after retirement, Tommy. Absolutely, absolutely. And we can a lot of days. With, you know, Tommy, that is a perfect segue. You don't know what a perfect segue that is to give our listeners for our upcoming wild and crazy Saturday Night Live kind of uh, children's show that we've put together. Can I play a little yeah, clip I- that? Totally is pertinent and uh, exactly what you're talking about. This is, I'll set this up. There was a scene where Bucky and Betty, who are the two main characters, Bucky wants a pet for the, he, uh, he works at the Beantown Garage and his boss, whose name is Boss, haha, and Boss decides that he'd like to have a pet for the garage. So Bucky and Betty go off and they go to an animal shelter and it turns out that the cats are great and everything else and Bucky's concerned because, you know, are they free? And yes, they're free, they're free. And then, of course, when he comes to check out, he finds out he's got to make a donation of 75 bucks. So Betty says, don't worry about it. I know a place we can get a free cat. And so they drive out to Farmer Green's, and they go to the barn, and they pick up this cat. And within seconds, the cat is scratching, and it doesn't want to go. Betty says, you know, the and Bucky's saying the, buck, the, the cat won't cooperate, he's not willing. She says he will be willing once we put him in the car. And, of course, he gets in the car, and now he slashes. We call him Slasher because he slashes the uh, seats, and he's got fleas, and he heaves. And we decide is that we have to take him to, to the vet. This is so with that, and so the clip is right here. This is when they go to the vet. See, this, see, how, see how this segues perfectly? They go to the vet to pick up Slasher. Slasher's been at the vet for about three or four days. And okay. so Bucky and Betty return to pick up Slasher. Here's the clip. Let's see how this works. Oh, I can't wait. Well, boys right, and we girls, go. Bucky and Betty have had a couple of days rest. And so has Slasher. He's been at the vets. Let's see if things improve. 
Wow, I'm so excited to finally get Slasher back after two long days at the Betty, vet. Well, Betty, I don't, I don't get it. You know, we really don't know this cat, Betty. I mean, we only had him in the in the in the spoon for what? Maybe ten minutes till we got him to the vet. You know, I mean, I didn't yeah, feel... but you can't judge anybody just on two minutes or uh, ten uh, minutes. Betty, you want to judge? Look, look at the back. Look at the back seat. I mean, look, yeah, it looks that? pretty bad. But, yeah, that's pretty bad. You know, I think he, I think he's gonna change because he knows we love him and. And at first, he didn't know How that did we you loved know that, him. Betty? He doesn't know that. That would bring him to the vet. Like and... I said, I didn't see any big bonding there. I mean, let's, I, I'll, you know, but talking about this vet thing, I mean, did you sure this was a good idea about the vet? I mean, I heard that vets can be very expensive. What do you think? Well, I, I'm not sure, Bucky. I don't think vets are a really lot of money. Well, okay. Vet, I don't know. I don't know. That $75 thing is starting to look a little better to me. I, I think we should have, you know, got that first cat. For, for 75. Well, I'll, um, well, I'll wait out here while you run in and get Slasher. All right, I'll go. I'll be. I'll be right back. Oh, Slasher's probably gonna come back and be purring and 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 know that we're so good to him. Here I am, Betty. Oh wow, Here I am. Slasher. Yeah, yeah, Slasher, right? You know. Wow. Got, well, hey, they just gave you a nice little towel to wrap him in. Yeah, That's so nice. Yeah, Lay him yeah, back there, Bucky. Right. Well, we'll just leave him in the cage. Oh. Don't let him loose. I don't think my feet can take it, Betty. Oh, he's he's. Fine. Let me. He's, he might be fine, Betty. I'm not fine Look right out. now. Oh, he looks so sweet sleeping. He Why is he all sleepy? Well, yeah, well, I think they said something about. They gave me this bottle. You hold on to this. They said there wow. was his prescription. Why is he a five bottle? I, well, they said he, 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 you know, he's a little. They've never seen quite a cat like Slasher before, so they gave us extra prescription. For was him. it expensive? Well, Betty, that's the part I'm trying to get to. Now hold on to these. They said if he. If he starts getting a little wild, that you, you know, we got to give him some of these. these yeah. These calm oh, him down. That's he why looks he's so sweet. Yeah, because he's medicated right his now, Betty. Face. Bucky, aren't you okay. glad you got no, him? Betty, right aren't you now, glad Betty. I talked you into going down the street? Betty, look at this. You see this? We're so You see oh. this? Yeah, look at this. Look at the bottom line there, Betty. Twelve. $164.22 for medication? Well, not just, no. No, 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 no. Oh, my no, God. No, no, Maybe Betty. Maybe bring some of these oh, no. pills back. Not Betty. Oh, no. I know. Not just, no. Medication's a lot. Of, that's list. a long list, listen, though. Listen to the list. Just let me point out on the list there. Fleas, all right, ticks, air mites, okay, and then uh, ringworm, tapeworm, just for beginners, Betty. Never oh. mind. Never mind. He was a really sick cat. Yeah, well, yeah. He yeah. looked so happy right. at the farm. Huh. We could have got away for 75 bucks, but now we're up to $1,264, like you said. The 25 cents. Yeah, to, well, then the 25 cents in the dander, all right. You know, and uh, but Betty, you know. Do you Becky, really, that seems like a lot of money. It for, is a lot of money, but, well, there was more. There's there more. is? Yeah. What, what else was wrong with them? You know, are you sure this was the right vet? You know, because I mean, so well, Kimmy stuff... told me that this is a good vet. Well, because yeah, but... he lives in this. Oh, he lives in the biggest bean pot in Bean Town. Yeah, He's well, really why, wealthy. Betty. Look at some of He's this He's really other wealthy, stuff. Bucky. But look at this other stuff. What cat acupuncture? Oh. A cat needed acupuncture? Well, maybe he's got some kind of something. And what, and then he, and there was a, a chiropractic adjustment, Betty? Um, you okay. know, that might mean why he was slashing out. Yeah, well, well, well I can understand. That, then they, 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 they talked about there was teeth whitening for a cat. Yeah, you know? his teeth were kind of yellow. Yeah, and, and then there was, a, they, you know, this whole thing about a macrobiotic, gluten-free, fishtail diet. I oh. mean, does that make any sense? No, maybe no. he... Well, there it is. A trip to the vet. 
What a good clip that was. That's so funny and how appropriate. That's just about what they said to my dog. And that's real. You couldn't have been a better segue, Tommy. Well, listen, so it's, uh, we only have, I think, about 30 seconds before they rudely yeah. interrupt us. But let's, uh, let's call this the segue into the new venture of uh, the Bucky and Betty Beantown Pal Show. With uh, what, what character have you decided upon? Uh, Senor Mario Candolini. The Senor Mario Candolini. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be on the lookout for Beantown's pals, Bucky and Betty, this Saturday. And I think we, they're going to cut us off here, Tommy. That was a fun show. Oh, it's great. I'd love to. I'm so glad you got that clip in. That's just so funny. You don't have to be a kid to find this funny. It's just funny stuff. I yeah, really yeah it's true. Good stuff. All Good right. show. Talk to you again. Well, thanks, folks. Thanks, and we'll uh, we'll see. see you next week. And hopefully. Um, all right. Right on. Thank you, Tommy. Bye-bye. Thank all right, you. Bye. And let me see if I can now... This is great to do this because uh, I'm trying to see if we can find my theme song. Yes, I have. And there we go. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in.